to all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm gonna call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're gonna love the exhausted educator. <laughs> What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for dropping in to the Exhausted Educator Show. In this episode, we are going to celebrate experience in education because education breeds knowledge. Having a variety of experiences to draw from throughout your career makes you more knowledgeable and, as they used to say back on Schoolhouse Rock back in the day, is that knowledge is power. That's the 50th anniversary this year of that show, by the way which is still has some awesome episodes in YouTube you can find and share with your kids. Still stuff that's like, even though the years have passed, it's still usable in a classroom, whether it be conjunction, junction, or uh, three's the magic number, or you, you get the idea. But that show is amazing. But they always said knowledge is power, and it's so true. And our guest has a boatload of knowledge and a boatload of experience to draw from. I'm really excited you're going to get the chance to meet Martin Silverman today. He's been in the education game for quite a while. And because of it, I wanted to bring him on so that he can share with you the things he's learned through the years. The good and the bad, and maybe the in-between. He's got a variety of things he's going to talk about. I really think you're going to enjoy listening to Martin. And he's just a super good guy. And you know what? For somebody who's been in the business for 40 years, his heart is still in it. And that says something really powerful about him as an individual. He is all in on helping kids and staff where he's at as a principal. Ladies and gentlemen, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. Here comes Martin Silverman. Ladies and gentlemen, I am jacked up to have my friend Martin Silverman on with me tonight. And I want him to share some of the things he's learned through 40 years of experience in education, and that is a tremendous, tremendous celebration that should be had for you, Martin, for uh, all the things that you've gone through, and you still have an amazing heart for working with young people and working for, with kids and, and your staff, and I'm just really excited for my audience to be able to hear some of your fresh takes and, and share some of the things that you've learned through the years. Thanks so much for jumping on with me. Well, Kyle, I am so so happy to be here and thankful that you that you asked me. I'm glad we connected. I was glad to have you as a guest on uh, the second question, my podcast, and I look forward to a chat with you. Yep, and and absolutely love being on your podcast. And and for the listeners, I will make sure that we we put uh, his uh, information on his podcast, second question, down in the show notes too. So you can uh, hear his magic that he does on his podcast. Really good stuff. He's been at it for a while. Um, but first, usually what we start off with, uh, Martin, is just kind of just introduce yourself to the audience and tell them, you know, where you've come through your educational journey all the way up to the amazing things you're doing now as a principal. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, introduce myself. So uh, I'm Marty Silverman. I am a product of 
Brooklyn, New York, the best place to grow up in the whole world, or at least it was when I was growing up there. And uh, I am a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather. Um, I've been an educator, as you said at the beginning, for 40 years. I uh, graduated from college in 1983 in upstate New York. We, we have that connection of upstate New York and uh, immediately moved to Houston, Texas to be a teacher. Um, and interestingly, I saw Houston for the first time the day I moved there because I was interviewed uh, on campus at a college, you know, in upstate New York and accepted a contract through the mail because, you know, of course, there wasn't Internet to send contracts. <laughs> and I took a job there, uh, moved there as a 21 year old, you know, just kind of free and loose. And and I taught I was a first grade teacher. I was uh, a I've been a fourth grade teacher, a fifth grade teacher. I was a bilingual teacher for a year. I taught uh, in Spanish all day uh, in a pullout uh, support program in Houston. And then I moved here to San Antonio uh, in 86. And I've been here ever since I was a first grade, fourth grade, fifth grade teacher. I've been an administrator now for this is my 33rd year in administration after seven years. Of te- I know. I know. It's amazing. I'm shaking my head because it's amazing, man. And I definitely, you know, when I say it, I can't hardly believe it. It's <laughs> because it doesn't seem like it, you know, um, but 40 years in Texas public education and uh, still going. And so you asked about the roots, kind of the roots of this. So I'm going to tell you the family story of this. Uh, the roots of the education career is that I am the youngest of four children, the only boy. So I have three older sisters. And the story is that when I was growing up, when we were growing up, the my sisters used to play school and my crib with me inside of it was the principal's office. So uh, we always say that that was like imprinting and destiny, right? Uh, that's how I ended up where I am today. Oh, it's good stuff. Well, again, congratulations, 40 years. That is really, really impressive. There are not many people um, who, can, who can work themselves through 40, 40 years in education, 33 in administration. But that is just, whew. Uh, and still have the heart for it, man. You are a special individual, Marty. And, and thank you again for jumping on. I really want you to, to kind of have, I'm just giving you as much leash as you want to share anything that you feel like will be valuable that you've learned through the years. So let's start there. So, you know, thinking back over your course of, of your career, it's, it's a lot's obviously changed. Um, you, what are some of the, the valuable things that you think you've learned you know, from when you started way back in the 80s to way up to, to now? Well, uh, you know, the thing probably that, and I think about this a lot recently, uh, about what has changed, because honestly, Kyle, if you, there are so many things that haven't changed. Education does not turn on a dime. You know, we're not um, lean and limber in this in this <laughs> field. And so, you know, I have I have told people that if you were to look at, my first grade classroom, for example, back in the 83, 84 school year, um, it would not look tremendous. You wouldn't be you know, shocked at what it looks like. It does not look tremendously different than a first grade class looks now. Now, uh, you know, of course, there wasn't technology other than, you know, film strip projectors and 
overhead projectors. I like still that. remember trying to. You, everybody wanted to be the person who got to uh, to turn the knob on the film strip projector. Turn the knob on the film strip. Yes, <laughs> it was sir. a big job. Uh, and yeah. and you know we didn't use copiers. We used uh, you know those blue uh, ditto machines yeah. and, and whatever. But but we had groups of kids. Now I will say at that time in in my state we didn't have class size limits, and so we had you know a lot big groups of kids. Thirty one. Uh, my first year, 34, my second year in first in first grade. But uh, we did, you know, all the same subjects. Uh, we did reading groups. We did, you know, it does not look the same. I will tell you, though, what the oh, and and for those of you who work in uh, unionized states, this will really shock you. Uh, those years, we didn't have any duty free lunch and no conference period either. Mm. So we were we ate lunch with the kids and we were uh, with them all day right. no class size limits no conference period no <laughs> duty free lunch um, but the but i will say the biggest difference between then and now so what has changed is uh, and people you know i i don't i'm not one of those that says oh the kids have changed they've gotten better worse whatever um what has changed is society and so and what has changed in society that i feel like is most impactful is the kids that are first graders now compared to the kids that were first graders then have lived through a couple of, of generations of uh, of not being raised to be uh, resilient, self-sufficient, or, you know, for lack of better words, responsible. And what, and what mm -hmm. I mean by that is not that kids don't have responsibility, they do. But there has been a societal, a big societal shift in that I've seen in parents, you know, allowing kids to figure out things for themselves and problem solve. And so the way that has played out is uh, there is still, I think, in the world, a, an expectation of being able to be self-sufficient and problem solve, you know, think your way out of situations. But I don't think that has been... Uh, as ingrained societally. And so I see that as probably the biggest difference. Yeah, no, and, and it's a very good point, to be honest with you. I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to my wife earlier today about, you know, just some of the changes in the young generations of parents coming up through, right, who have been through school and, and the system uh, in previous generations were the students, just like you're talking about. And um, there, there's some shifts in society as a whole, and it certainly has, has tweaked things dramatically in education because of it. You're exactly right. Sorry for the quick break in the action, everybody, but I wanted to give you some really important information and let you know this episode is brought to you by the Recharge Family YouTube channel. On our YouTube channel, we're aiming to help parents and educators by providing you with content that's going to help build up the kids in your lives. That's why in 2023, we're putting a big emphasis on confidence building. So much so that we're actually in the middle of developing an entire course with videos and activities and downloadables. You want to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you can hear about more of this in the coming days. Also, while you're on our channel, you might want to check out our shorts videos. They're getting thousands of views. And those views are mostly because our kids and our pets are doing amazing things and I'm pretty much making a fool of myself. Also in 2023, we're pretty excited about the release of a recharged family 
merchandise line that's been designed by our whole family. Check out the link in the show notes and you'll see how we've tried to design all kinds of merchandise that will recharge and empower everybody, kids, adults alike. And whether it be shirts and hats or mugs and bottles, we've got all kinds of stuff. Finally, if you haven't done so already, follow us on social media at Recharge Family, where we're on Instagram, Twitter, and yeah, we're on TikTok. As always, thanks for listening and watching. It means more than you realize. Now back to the show. Back in the, you know, when I started teaching, if, if we were outside playing at recess and somebody, well, and somebody fell down, right? Um, the initial reaction of the child would be to stand up, kind of self-assess, how am I doing, you know? And then either decide to brush off and go finish playing or, or come to an adult for help. The adult's initial reaction was not to go to, to the kid, right? And what has, and significantly what's changed is there seems to be an expectation immediately that the adult go to the kid or the kid go to the adult to try to get um, the problem assessed initially and then resolved, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I think that is uh, probably you know, an example of, of how that plays out in, you know, just on the playground. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really good example, right? Like of the different approaches, um, from multiple generations of how, how, um, things are looked at and the, in particular, you know, how a student self-assesses themselves nowadays versus how it was before, you know, back in the day when it was, you know what, um, I haven't been in 40 years, but going on 25 now, you know, uh, you know, you, you fall and you scrape yourself up on the, on the playground, just like you're talking about. There's a moment of, all right, how bad does this hurt? <laughs> how bad am I bleeding? Can I continue to play basketball? Or, you know, do I need to run and get some, you know, get some help as opposed to everyone rushing to your assistance to, to make, right? It's just a different, different mindset. That's interesting. How about on like a positive, uh, like a positive outlook as far as maybe something that you feel has gotten better through all the years that you've come, you've come through? Yeah, no, definitely. And there are, and I don't even know that I necessarily am trying to communicate the first point as being, um, as being negative. It just is, you know, it's yep. just an observation. Yep. It's because what that does to us, Kyle, is it just makes us have to um, plan and prepare and execute differently. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily better or worse. Yep. Um, yep. So, so I do want to make that point. Um, but certainly some of the more positive things is there is a, a huge, huge understanding and um, enlightenment over the 40 years of like students who are non, what you'd call non-standard, you know, students with special needs, students with language um, differences, students with uh, lifestyle differences, you know, all of that, that has gotten uh, just so much better. I remember when I first started working, and this would have been uh, about my fourth year teaching, I moved, when I moved to San Antonio, you know, the district had a an elementary school that was the special education school <laughs> where all the special ed kids went, you know, the, it, there was not uh, inclusionary practices, there was not inclusionary expectation. Uh, you know, you have to start with one to get the other, right? Right. And so, um, and so, you know, that uh, it was a monumental shift when it started. When school started saying, you know what, uh, we are shooting towards the big middle, and we're okay with you if you're 
above the big middle and we're not so okay with you if you're below the big middle and you know <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a difference to kids who are you know at or below the big middle yeah and thankfully as somebody who works in special education you know thankfully we're we've gone past the, the um we've not completely but we've 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 made progress past the days of you know all kids with a special education label should be in a dungeon and 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 uh force them to be self-contained for the entire day which we now know that there are so many of those students who don't need to be in self-contained classrooms right there are some kids who, de- who definitely still need that level of support but um not all of them so yes uh, you're you're hitting hitting my heart there martin with uh with that one in that I, I am fully on board with that. I, I agree that um, we've come a long way, long way to go, but come a long way. So uh, you touched on a, a variety of things. Let me hit on this. So as somebody who works with a lot of new teachers, I've seen over the last few years, just some really painstaking um, situations where teachers just come in and they're just not ready. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure veterans were ready for, for what we've gone through the last few years, to be honest with you anyway. But what advice do you have, you know, as far as someone with a lot of experience to draw on that you could provide for anyone who is either new to the profession or, you know, we do have some listeners who are, you know, have their, are getting ready to dip their toes in the waters, you know, either later this year or probably into next year? Yeah, no, I, I'm going to tell you that it was easier to be a new teacher, a new principal uh, back when I was a new teacher, a new principal, because before there was the the burden of standardized testing, you were allowed to kind of grow in the profession. There was an expectation that you would not be perfect right out of the right out of the gate. And so I think what has um, what's happened is as as teachers, you know, as as our profession evolved, there was an expectation that the new teacher had to be as uh, ready, you know, as a as a veteran teacher. And I think my advice to somebody would be to allow yourself to not be perfect right hmm. out of the right out of the gate. It's great so advice. Understand that there are going to be, you know, you I think we worry and we should worry. You know, we should worry. We should always be cognizant of of uh, what our impact is. But for the most part, people who go into our profession with a a loving heart and a, you know, and a sound mind and a, you know, and, and an idea are not going to do harm. You know, they're not going to yeah. do harm. To, now their kids may not learn how to divide fractions quite, you know, as elegantly as, <laughs> as, as somebody who is, <laughs> has done it a while, you know, there may be a little bit of that, but, um, but they're not going to, you know, put kids back, years they're not going to traumatize anybody yes uh, by being a good person and a and a you know and putting forth the effort and and creating a good uh relationships and climate so so forgive yourself for not knowing how to do everything perfectly right out of the gate that's great stuff well again you're you're hitting hitting me right with my heart man because i i I'll often say i say this to new teachers and i also work a lot with paraprofessionals as well you got to give yourself some grace like there is it wouldn't matter that certainly hasn't changed through the years either you know obviously this is hard hard work but i am with you in that if there is somebody who is stepping into education and if their heart's right their heart is in it and they're willing to work hard for kids there's a teacher there there is a teacher there that that can make a big positive difference 
but it's not always easy. It's, it's certainly yeah. not easy and certainly sure. definitely not easy now. So let me flip that a little bit on this last question for you and say, what about it uh, from a leadership standpoint, working with new teachers? What would you share for advice for them? Uh, for leaders working with new teachers, uh, just to, to just kind of what you just said, Kyle, to extend grace to get, not only should they give themselves grace, but we need to also. And what I mean by that is not giving grace shouldn't be equated with just letting people, you know, loose and do whatever you, you <laughs> there's know, a difference between giving a lot of leash and giving grace, right? <laughs> correct. Correct. Because, uh, because, you know, my understanding of giving grace is with the intention of, of still trying to reach, you know, the, the, the expectations that you're trying to reach, you may not reach those expectations, but you're, but you're trying, but to say like, Oh, don't worry. Like, don't worry about, don't ever say, don't worry about that. Hmm. You know, always worry about it. Yeah. Always worry. You should always be worried. We should all always be worried about that. As and I'm saying, as people, we should be worried about our, um, you know, as leaders, we should be worried about the growth of our staff. As teachers, we should be worried about the well-being and growth of our students. As you know, parents for our children, as members of community to you know for our community. And so and so, giving grace isn't giving up. You know, giving grace is saying, um, yeah, we still have to reach these you know, points, right? Uh, but if we don't get there in, you know, the amount of time, we're still going to keep trying to get there. We're going to, you know, we're not going to consider ourselves to be failures if we haven't quite gotten there yet. So uh, my advice to to leaders for new teachers would be just that, you know, uh, instill the belief uh, as much as you can that I do, you know, I believe in you. I wouldn't have picked you if if I didn't think that you were capable of of hitting all the points. It's just that if you don't do them all right now, it's that's fine. We're going to get there, but we still have to work to get there. That's really well said. Really well said. Like I said, you've got a lot of experience to draw from, and and now you know knowledge comes with those experiences. And um, as they as they said in Schoolhouse Rock, knowledge, knowledge is power, right? So um, there is something to that. You we got say that at the end of every one of our morning announcements. That's our school our school thing. Is uh, uh, remember at Salinas Elementary, knowledge is power. That's, uh, that's that is awesome. That is awesome. You know what? In, in all my years as an elementary school teacher, I still would go back to those. You can still find the, the uh, um, Schoolhouse Rock clips on YouTube, and I would still pull them out. Like, you know, three is the magic number for multiply. It's the, way, it's the only way you can learn the uh, preamble of the Constitution. Oh, good. yes. Yes. But, but you have to know, so we do an annual school theme at, you know, at our school, and this year's theme is this schoolhouse rocks because it was just the 50th anniversary just a couple of weeks ago. And so there's a mural on my front, um, you know, in my office wall that says this schoolhouse rocks (laughs) written in those, uh, in those letters that, uh, that you see. And, and that's kind of on all of our uh, communications this year is about this schoolhouse rocks. Uh, That's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely. That connection has not, uh, has not gone away still. (laughs) Martin, if anybody wants to connect with you, um, how how could they get in touch? Yeah, I would love to connect with uh, with anybody. Uh, educators are just people who are uh, interested in learning more. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, it's at Mr. Silverman one sixteen. Um, I'm on Facebook just as Martin Silverman. Uh, a lot of that is just family stuff, though. There's some school stuff. 
I'm on Instagram, but I will tell you my Instagram is only pictures of food. Uh, <laughs> so I've kind of, you know, compartmentalized that, but, uh, but for, you know, serious discourse, I guess, uh, Twitter's probably the best place to go. Twitter's where it's at. Gotcha. Well, you know, I always love talking to you. I love talking to you on podcast, but I really, I really enjoy the time we spend before you know, official recordings and after recordings. I'm just awesome. really happy I've gotten to get to know you and you're just a good human doing great things and just, uh, Congratulations again for 40 years of making an impact on young people, Martin. Well, I appreciate that. And and thank you, Kyle. And thank you for, you know, keeping to uh, amplify the voice of uh, teachers and students who uh, have special needs. And, and, you know, and I just appreciate that as well. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Party time. It's like, Sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm watching you, exhausting agitators. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs> This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.